Father God, I just thank you for these people that you've brought here this morning, Lord. Father, I thank you that you are a mighty, mighty Savior, Lord. And Jesus, I thank you that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Father. And I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for the way that you knit us together according to your own good pleasure, Jesus, for your glory and for your purpose, Father. And I pray, Lord, for your blessing over us today. Jesus, I pray for that. Um, clarification, Lord, of what you're calling us to do, Father, in the ways that, that we can grow in you, in the ways um, that we can love you in a greater way, Father. So I just pray, Lord, for outpouring your spirit today, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that this would be a morning, Father, that, that chains are truly broken, Lord, that we could see you in a greater way, Father, that the person of Jesus Christ would be magnified today, Lord, and in your glory, Lord, in your character, um, in your promises, Father, those are, those are the things that we would hold to, Lord, the unshakable um, promise of the gospel, Father, that rock that cannot be moved, that you are mighty fortress you truly are jesus and i just thank you so much for this father and just pray that you again just will bless this morning and your word i'm going to be proclaimed in truth and in jesus christ's name we pray and believe amen all right you guys can be seated thanks so much for joining us today um for you guys who've been around we've moved to a testimony time um, right after worship to get to hear from you guys get to hear from the body of what christ is doing and i know from um, what i've seen just with my eyes that, that the lord has been doing awesome things through, through the people here at ESIS. so this morning we get to hear from um jared and and what christ is doing in his life and so if you guys want to welcome him up with a little round of applause thank you brother yep. So I'd spend a lot of time up front, and I never get nervous, but I'm nervous now because now I'm down here speaking with everybody. I wanted to share part of my testimony that um, I, I, I was praying before would do nothing but glorify God and not like, wow, look what he went through. Like, he must be. No, I want to just pray against that right now and give all the glory to God because um, he, he truly deserves it. Um, you know, I... I I, I know we say that a lot, but I, I really do believe that God should get all the glory. And uh, I pray that that's what happens to this. Anyway, go back to three years ago in the spring. Um, I was in my backyard in my old house with uh, a bunch of people from Easis. Um I don't know if anybody that was there is here today. Um, we were doing some worship songs, and uh, it was lead me to the cross that we were singing. And I suddenly realized I couldn't see the, uh, the letters on the page. Like, it was just blurry vision everywhere. And I was like, that's not good. I thought I was having a migraine. Well, go forward a day, and I was throwing up and dizzy and couldn't, like, my arm looked like it was right here, but it was actually over here. That sort of stuff. A lot of weak feeling on the left side of my body. So I go into the hospital, and I was bleeding, bleeding in my brain. Say that five times fast. Um, so I had a, a small blood vessel that burst in my left side of my parietal lobe, um, which caused me to lose the left side of my peripheral vision. Um, so I got flight flighted down to Denver, um, where they did surgery on it. And uh, the, the night before the surgery, um, I was just laying there kind of in a fog because of uh, all the stuff that was happening in my head. And I, I heard the Lord say, Jared, you will live to see my beauty. So the next day, I went into surgery, and, I, and they didn't, you don't know what's going to happen when they cut a hole in your skull and go in and repair blood vessels. But um, I believe through the prayer of, of many people in the church and uh, the, the kindness of God, uh, there were no issues with it. And I want to give God so much praise and glory and, and so much thankfulness for for that part of the story that doesn't end, end, it doesn't end 
badly. Um, it ends in a way that glorifies God. And I stand before you today, uh, a completely healed person, um, not just, you know, in my brain. I have a sweet scar to tell a story, but um, he, has, he has healed my heart and uh, made me a free person through Jesus. So to God be the glory, and uh, thank you. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing this morning, Lord. Just the words in this song, Lord, that you're the cornerstone. Basically saying to us that if we build on anything other than you, Lord, it's just not going to be sustained. You are the cornerstone not only of our, our relationship with you, Father, you're the cornerstone of everything that follows after that. You're the cornerstone in how we respond to each other. You're the cornerstone in how we uh, have a relationship with one another, Father. You're the cornerstone in how we go to work and in, in, in our behavior from sun up to sun down, Lord. You're everything in between. Everything in between. And Father, we thank you for that. And it's something that we praise you for. It's something, Lord, that we don't take lightly. It's something, Father, we want to dive into. We don't want to be holding you at arm's length anymore. God, you're telling us this morning to, to cross over. You're telling us this morning that it's time to get to the other side. Holy Spirit, be in this place. Father, we just say come. Not only I'm saying come, but Lord, everybody in this room, we are desperate for your presence. Father, we've fallen flat on our face so many times. But Lord, we just don't want to do that anymore. We don't want to go back to the sin. We don't want to go back to the, uh, the cyclical, uh, just beating ourselves up. Father, we don't want to be in that anymore. We're desperate for you this morning. Spirit, come into this room. Come into this room in Jesus' name. Blow the top off of this building. Maybe not literally because it's cold outside, Father. But with your spirit, rush through this place. I pray that it hits us in our heart that, Lord, if it manifests itself by getting chills or, 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 or whatever, Father, let it happen today. Let it happen this morning. Let us encounter you this morning, Lord. Because you are that cornerstone. Father, we love you. We thank you. We need you this morning. We do. Man, we need you. Be in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you, worship team. Welcome this morning. I always say that you guys could spend your time somewhere else, but you've chosen to spend it with us, and for that, I'm always grateful. Thank you so much. For those of you who don't know, we're in the middle of the book of Romans, um, and we've been in it since the first of the year. It's been good. Uh, we are in the middle of chapter 10. We're going to continue in that this morning. But before that, uh, I've been kind of challenging you guys every Sunday. It's been, you know, week number three of that kind of call to intimacy as well as a call to, as I, as I challenged you guys last Sunday, about this fear of the Lord business. 
that uh, we see Paul in the first chapter, not first chapter, the first part of chapter 10, get at this issue with the Jews, how they had a zeal for God. And a zeal for God is a good thing. It was really great, awesome, right? A lot of us in here, we got a zeal for Jesus. We do. But after the comma in that comment, in that scripture, it says, but it was not in accordance with knowledge. But you know what scripture says about knowledge? It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Amen? So I challenged you guys last week. Look, those areas in your life where it doesn't necessarily seem like things are going the way they should, ask yourself if you fear the Lord in that area. And let's get back to that. Let's get back to the intimacy that he's asking us to get back to and fear him in the middle of it. If we're going to move forward, it's got to be in the fear of the Lord. If we're going to take steps in our lives, it's got to be in a reverential fear. Not phobia, but reverence. Amen? I'm going to have a chance to speak to you guys about something this morning that the Lord has put on my heart that comes by way of love. I just want you to know that. I'm going to present this on a plate of love. But I'm going to tell you I'm going to swing today. <laughs> I'm just going to bring it. And I'm excited for it. Didn't sleep very well last night, not because something was wrong, but because I couldn't wait to get here this morning. <laughs> I was up at like five, ready just, I was in this at five o'clock, ready to go. <laughs> just kidding, I was not. I was not. But I want you to know, number one, everybody in here, I care about you. And the reason I care about you is because you're my brother and you're my sister in Christ. You are. Therefore, what is going on in you is important to me. Also, what's coming out of you is important to me. Does that make sense? I would not be doing my job as a pastor if I didn't stand up here and not only proclaim the word, but also challenge you in your walk with Jesus. That coming in here doesn't mean anything. It means something. Okay, don't let me... <laughs> okay, watch yourself as, as you take that one out, off of my mouth here. It means something that you're here, but it's not everything, right? What happens... From the time you leave here to the time you get back here next Sunday is important as well. And if you are walking with Christ, if you are portraying his character in everything that you do. You guys with me this morning? So I'm going to kind of, I'm going to challenge you some more today. But I usually don't do this uh, for whatever reason. When I get serious, I got to fill in the blanks. I go back to the way my dad kind of laid stuff out. Um, so in your bulletin, we do have that. We have fill in the blanks. So if you didn't get one, um, please raise your hand. And Tony, if we can get those passed out. Does anyone not have, have one of those? Yeah? Okay. Tony will come back here and just raise your hand one more time. Get one to some people over here. And Alec, there might be some more over there that you could grab. So just want to make sure everybody has this because I want you to follow along with the brother today. All right? So, I remember introducing chapter 10 to you guys last week and saying that it was in two sections. 1 through 11 and then 12 through the rest of the chapter. Now, 1 through 11 had to do with Paul speaking to the church at Rome through this eloquently written essay. Alright, that's what the book of Romans is. About the difference between the righteousness of the law and righteousness of faith. And we, we understood that this word righteousness means that which God has approved. There's a lot of things in Genesis to Revelation that God has approved. The righteousness of the law. But what the Jews kind of 
did with this is they said, if I just do th uh, uh, um, Christian or kingdom things, then that is going to allow me to attain a, uh, approval by the Lord, a.k.a. salvation. Um, and that's just, it's a half bubble off. Half bubble off is miles and miles, half bubble off in the air, let me say that, is miles and miles off on the ground. Right? If we're just a half inch off every day, accumulation of those days, we can find ourselves in left field. And we just, we just don't want that. The Jews kind of took what was given to them in the gospel and they said, if we just do it the right way, maybe not righteously, but the right way, we can attain this salvation. And Paul's like, look, there's a big difference. There's a huge difference. That the righteousness of faith is not rules and regulations as much as, as, much as it is resting and landing on a person. You guys with me this morning? When I, when I say that? Now last week, we looked at the difference between those two in how Paul laid that out from verses 1 all the way through 11. But I do want to say this. That as much as I speak about the law kind of being like something we have to get away from, I want to say this, that the law isn't bad. I don't know if I said that last week. I just want to make sure that we understand that the law is there to be diagnostic in nature. I remember communicating that to you guys a while ago in a different message, that the, the law is to salvation as an x-ray is to a cure, if I say that right. An x-ray is just going to show you what's, what's wrong, but it's not going to cure you. The law or the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is going to show us either where we're doing good or where we're not doing well. But it's the Spirit of God. It's Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross that allows us to move into, what? A relationship with him. That, you got to grab that this morning. That it's about this relationship. Now, if it's about a relationship, and we have one, not only with each other, but with Christ, if I have a, a friendship or relationship with Luke, that means what? I got to spend time with him. I got to be present when I'm sitting across the table with him, right? I cannot have a relationship with Luke by proxy. Clay, you have a friendship with Luke? If I try to get close to Luke through you, it's just not going to work, right? I got to sit down in front of the brother. I cannot have a relationship with Christ by proxy doing Christian things. I got to sit down in front of Jesus and we got to talk. Are you with me this morning? Verses 12 through the end of the chapter. I'm going to read these real quick. But the gist of this section of scripture has to do with this. I said this to you last week. It's that the, the gospel levels the playing field. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. All of the things that we do on a weekly basis, the gospel wipes all that out and says, I'm going to put every man on the same playing field. You guys catch that? So, that first fill in the blank is this. That top says the gospel levels the playing field. Verses 12 through the end of the chapter. Before we get to the rest of this fill in the blank, I'm going to read this scripture so that we get a good idea of what's going on in these scriptures. Now, I did make a comment in the intro, that, hey, look, there's some things that I feel like I need to talk to you guys about today. 
that are going to come across the pulpit in love. We're going to uh, jump over to Acts 2, 41 through 47, and we're also going to look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20 because of some things that are spoken in here. And I'll get to that. I'll let you know what those things are later on in this message. We are going to take communion today, so I, I don't want to rush through this, but I do want to make sure that we get what's being spoken here today. So here's verse 12, and I'm going to read through the end of the chapter in uh, chapter 10. And it says this. If I can get to it. Here we go. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on Him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in Him who they have not heard? And how will they not hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are not sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And then verse 16. However, they did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Amen to that. But, if, but I say surely, they have never heard, have they? They being Israel, they being the Jews. Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? First Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding will I anger you. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask me. But as for Israel, he says, all the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Whew. Mic drop. I'm done. I'm just going to walk out. <laughs> There's so much in these scriptures that you know, I may have to come back to it next week. I really mean that when I say that. Usually I'll say that and it's just on to the next one. But verses 12 through 15 are massive. They're huge. Just as I say the gospel levels the playing field. And that the law is void of a relationship. The gospel is what brings the relationship to the law. That the law in and of itself, all of scripture points towards the gospel. And the gospel points towards Jesus Christ. Amen? Now let me say this about Jesus. I want to make this statement before I say this. At some point what's in you is going to come out. At some point the reality of him saving you from something that could have killed you is going to come out of your mouth and you're going to praise him. At some point the joy that he gives you, man, you just can't keep it right here. You can't just not tell somebody. You can't just not bring somebody along with you and say, let's walk this Christian life together. You can't just not Open up your front door, your screen door, and walk across the street and just say hello to your neighbor. And say, you know what? I just want to be a good neighbor. Why? Because <laughs> scripture told me to. So I'm over here being obedient. At some point, it's got to come out. And why should it come out? Well, 
It's very simple. Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, as he is beaten and ripped apart. And I, uh, the only reason I'm not doing worship this Sunday is because I messed my hand up. A piece of tile cut my hand. I got 11 stitches right there. Um, this thing was opened up like an inch, like three quarters of an inch. I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> but I'm sitting in the ER and what hits me is I'm saying, this was all over Jesus' back. Like I'm looking at my muscles and my tendons doing this. It's cool because they numb me up and I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> but he had this stuff all over him. All over him. Now Jesus, as we've been talking about him, and God is an all-knowing God. Chapter 9 of Romans is one that gets omitted from other translations because it's just too heavy. People think, well, they take it out of context, but we, we didn't. You know, we read through it. It was great. But I said God knows everything. Do you know that he knows all of the crappy, hard, painful stuff that you go through, that I go through? He's seen every sin. He's seen the outcome of every situation. There's nothing new to him. He knows it all. But you know what else? He knows the pinnacle of pleasure and comfortability. He knows all the great things. He knows every inch of heaven. And when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew all of that and he still chose you. He chose you. He said, Lord, take this cup from me, but your will be done. And he had you on his mind, not only when he died, but when he rose and he walked out of the tomb. At some point, that's going to come out of us. As we watch people walk around Fort Collins, do we understand that if they don't know Jesus, there's a place for them? That's heavy. And guys, we can't play church anymore. Does that make sense this morning? I'm trying hard not to like just lose it right now. He still chose you. He chose me. That is what we are sent to. That's the, we are sent to bring that message to the rest of the world. Are you catching me? Now, the reason why Paul has to say, we're going to jump into these fill-in-the-blanks, is that the gospel levels the playing field is for this reason, that Jesus, here's the next one, Jesus' heart towards all mankind comes through these next five verses. And I'm going to kind of go through them. Not necessarily read them slow, but I just want you to be able to, to write down. You don't necessarily have to write down what's up there. But I want you to get the gist. All right? And we're just looking at Jesus' character through these first five cross-references. Uh, first of all, are, are y'all with me this morning? Yes, Amen. All right? 1 Timothy 2.4 speaks to this. That there's... Uh, that Jesus desires all men to be saved. Not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles, not just you and I, not just people who come in the church, but that person out there who almost killed themselves last night. And there's no amount of self-help that'll get them through that. Self-help book. The gospel is what pulls people up out of the, the crap. Are you with me this morning? Jeremiah 32, 27 
speaks about there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Hallelujah. My situation that I'm going through, that I feel as though I just cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel, he's pulling me through the eye of the needle because nothing's too hard for him. He's got you where you are right now because he's trying to perfect his work in you. Nothing is too hard for him. Guess what? Even saving all of mankind. <laughs> There's some people who you may look at during the day or talk to during the day and you're like, wow, there's, that person is so far gone. There's no way. You may be thinking that about yourself. I've done something. There's, I'm so far gone. There's no way. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Let's get the next one up there. Romans 14.11, as we go uh, further in the, in the book just a little bit. He's all mankind minded. Now the reason I'm not reading these scriptures to you is because I want you to go look at them yourself. That's why I put them in the bulletin. When you get done with this today, just it's going to take you five minutes to go and read these scriptures. He's all mankind minded. And then the last one that we have is 1 John 4.14. And he's the savior of the world. Guess what? Oh, excuse me. Matthew 18, 11 through 14. You know what this is? This is when Jesus uses the parable of the shepherd who leaves the flock to go get the one. He leaves the 99 to go grab the one that's off there in La La Land. He leaves the congregation to go get the one who's needed to make sure that this thing rolls forward. I want you to know I need, I need Luke as much as I need Cheyenne, as much as I need um, uh, my mom. I always need my mom. She makes me food. It's good stuff. <laughs> but everybody in here, you got a piece. As much as I need Jared, guess what? He values every soul. That's the type of God you serve. You think he don't value you in this moment right now? With the stuff that's heavy on you or even the stuff that's good? It's all coming because he said yes. And he chose you. He values every soul. And then the last one here. Matthew 18, 11 through 14. Uh-oh. We got a repeat up there. But let me give you this. It's 1 John 4, 14. It says he's the savior of the world. Not just half of it. But all of it. Now this is all coming out of verse 12 where it says there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all. Okay? Now this next little, this next word here. I'm in my room last night going through this scripture and I had to stop right here because as I prepare, sometimes I can get ahead of myself and then as I go back and read, things will hit me on a deeper level. Super deep level. But I just had to stop and get on my knees and say Amen. But this word abounding in riches for all who call on him. There, there are a couple cross-references here that I want you guys to have. And they're these, Philippians 4.19. So you might want to write that under his riches. But the other one is also Ephesians 3.8, which we have that up there that says, His riches are unfathomable. Fathomable. Excuse me. But Philippians 4.19 says this, He meets your needs according to His riches. Some, somebody got something in here that they need. Somebody got something in here that you want. And you've been desiring it since the day you were born. 
and you have not seen it come to fruition yet. If I cannot fathom his riches and he's saying that all you have to do is call on me and the, uh, the overwhelming, uh, I don't even know how to say it, like he will, he will overwhelm you with his riches in that moment. He's going to answer you according to his unfathomable riches. He's going to give you what you need according to kingdom things. And catch this, not thingdom things. He's going to give you what you need according to the kingdom and not according to, according to just things. He's going to pour into you today because that's what he wants to do to his children, not because you've just come into a church and decided to hang out and checked it off a list for the week. He's saying it's time to cross over. It's time to get to the other side of the circumstance, the other side of the river. Are you with me this morning? Yes. Man, that knocked me over last night. But do you know what it means to be rich? Here's what I believe that it means to be rich. Here's how he wants to give us. Uh, here's what he wants to give us, I believe. Just a small piece of the big pie. Being quiet in the midst of the storm is being rich to me. Being a fixed point in an ever-changing landscape is being rich to me. Being a steady rock against pounding waves is being rich to me. Now, Lord, give me a million dollars. Hallelujah. That's being rich to me too. But when something comes up and I don't move and I don't waver because of this being in me and this coming out of me, man, I'm a rich man in that moment. Abounding in his riches. You with me today, church? Abounding riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I didn't get a chance to put this in the notes for you guys, and I wish I would have. But for whatever reason, I missed it as I was sending this to our front office administrator. But this word, call. Every once in a while, the Lord will highlight a word to me in the word, and I'll just go on a word search. Or see what it means in the Greek. Because... Translating the word in uh, English sometimes gives us um, just a bad representation of what the word is saying. But if you get into the Greek and to the Hebrew, you can really understand the context of what's being communicated. And this word call in the Greek is epikaleo, if I say that right. And the first translation of this word means surname. Everybody know what a surname is? It's your last name, pretty much. It's, it's what you're tagged by. But the definition of that is that it's a name that you put on. Now, how often do we call God when stuff is hard? How often do we get on our knees when, man, it's just I'm being pressed down and life has me underneath its thumb and I just can't get away? There's zero wiggle room. I'm dying over here. How often do we call on him? That's not a bad thing. I'm not sitting up here saying that that's something that we don't need to be doing. Call on the Lord in every situation. But if the translation of this word means surname, and that means to put on a name, do you realize that he's saying you will abound in riches when you call on me, not only when you just ask me to show up, but you literally put me on. You will abound in my riches when you put my likeness on. And you give that 
to the rest of the world. You walk around looking like Jesus. Are you with me today? There's a big difference, ladies and gentlemen. I'm coming at this whole uh, playing church business. Not saying that we're doing that. <laughs> not at all. I'm not saying anybody in here is doing that. But there's times where we can slip into that type of thinking and not even know it. They will know them by their fruit. Where's that fruit? It should look exactly like putting Jesus on. Amen? Come on now, church. Come on. Here is where I'm going to slow down just a tad, I think. I can't really say that because I don't have time to do that. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Now this scripture right here, ladies and gentlemen, is... Uh, Something that the Lord put on me um, last week, first service. And I don't know if you guys remember, it seemed like I really couldn't get out what I was trying to say. Because what I needed to say was, I'm about to say, but I wanted to say it last week. But the Lord was like, stop it. No, I'm not asking you to do that right now. So it took me a little bit to kind of to get through that. Well, this is what he's put on me to give to you guys this morning. As we read through these, these verses, you can see that basically at the end of 14, beginning of 15, how will they hear without a preacher and how will they preach unless they are sent? Do you know what this church is founded on? Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and also Acts 2, 41 through 47. We call ourselves, non-denomination, well I can't say that, an apostolic church. Only in that we are sent to do something. Now, if you get into Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it talks about the fivefold. And the fivefold is there to do one thing. The pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the apostle are here to do one thing, and it's to equip the saints. It's to equip each and every one of you guys so that you can be a full-bodied Christian, lacking nothing. So that you can have those riches. When you're standing in the midst of a storm... Here's more Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. To equip the saints to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Jesus Christ till we attain the unity of the faith so that we don't get tossed here and there by every wave, every wind of doctrine and deceitful scheming of men. To me, that's rich. So you can be a fixed point. So you don't move. But we're founded on that cornerstone. We're standing on that cornerstone. We are sent to take what the Lord has given us and then give it to the rest of the world. Not to hold it, not to huddle up in the church, and not to be so wrapped up in our programs that we don't reach a single soul. How will they call on him? How will they be able to put him on in whom they have not believed? We can't expect anybody to do that if they, they don't believe. And how will they believe in him who they've never heard of? And 
how can they hear without a preacher? It's not just me. We're not, we're, I'm not asking you to go preach and slam the book of the Bible in people's face and just say, be healed in Jesus' name. And how can there be preachers if the, uh, excuse me, uh, how will they preach unless they are sent? I want you to understand something. It's not me who's just sent to preach this word. It's not me who's just sent to proclaim this and say, here's what the word is saying. Now you come, you eat this, and you be nourished. There is a call on each and every one of our lives to be the representation of the gospel every day. Now, another thing that we do here at ESS Christ Fellowship is in every Bible study, every meeting, every Sunday morning, Sunday night event, whatever it is that we have going on, we want to push three things. Not because we believe that these are the best three things according to ESS, but we believe that these are three things that Scripture tells us to do. It's evangelism. Oh, scary. Right? <laughs> Discipleship and neighboring. Telling people about the gospel. Living life with each other when it comes to the gospel. Getting the same dust on our feet. Discipleship. Pointing each other's shoulders back to the Lord. Discipleship. And neighboring. Hanging out with one another. One of the greatest commandments in the Bible was love the Lord your God with all your heart. And guess what? Your neighbor. Treat your neighbor like you would want to be treated. What if he was serious when he said that? And he didn't mean, well, he did mean literally the person in the house next to you. We take those things unbelievably serious. I'm going to move over to Acts 2, 41 through 47. And then Matthew 8, uh, 28, 19 and 20. And then I'm going to come back to the rest of the scripture here. But we have been saying to you guys, and again, this is coming on a plate of love, ladies and gentlemen. We're all called. We're all called to these things. These things are not necessarily options. But I'm not going to make you do anything. But Christ is going to hold us accountable for bringing this good news, for doing life with each other. But past month or so, We've been offering our discipleship class. And I want you guys to hear me when I say this. Again, I love you to death. But in a month, we've had one person sign up. One person. And I'm not about the business of having a fake church. I'm not saying anybody in here is fake. Don't hear me come at you like that. That is not the issue. What I'm saying is at some point, if Jesus is real... We're going to take what he says to us to heart. And we're going to go and we're going to do. This discipleship class that we have, I don't even like calling it a class because it's just like, oh, I don't want to go to a class. We go through the red letter edition of what it means to follow Christ. The word Christian in the Bible is only used twice. And it's derogatory in its nature. But the word disciple is used over 250 times. You guys have heard me say that before. I think the Lord's trying to say something. Translation of that word means to follow Christ. Not to sit in a garage to make you a car. Not to sit in church to make you a Christian. We have to take this stuff serious. So I'm going to challenge you guys. Are you being discipled? 
And do you know what it means to be a disciple? Are you being discipled? And are you discipling someone else? If you don't know, hey, let us equip you. Let us just look at what the Word says about this, and then it's between you and the Lord. On who? Because there's times where I get up and I say, man, nobody else is going through what I'm going through. <laughs> Come on. There's almost 8 billion people on this planet now. I'm sure there's somebody. <laughs> right? And I'm sure that person knows Jesus. And I'm sure they would want to walk with me in this life. And why is that? Because the Lord set it up that way. Are you with me? I'm, I want to encourage you guys this morning rather than beat you over the head. That's not my intention. But if we are unwilling to look at the reality of what Scripture is telling us to do and look the other way, we have an example of that from 16 through the end of the chapter. Because the, the Israelites, what's being referenced is the Old Testament in Isaiah and speaking of Moses, that the, it, it must have been that the Israelites didn't know. Oh no, they knew. It must have been that the Israelites didn't hear. Oh, no, they heard. But they chose not to. They just flat out chose not to. Now, let me give you these last few fill in the blanks. And then I'm going to come to um, Acts 2, 41 through 47, because I think I want to end there before we get into communion this morning. But it says this, the good news and the beautiful feet that bring it we, okay, and us, we are those feet. I am those feet. But what makes those feet beautiful? Feet are made beautiful by two things. What they carry. According to this scripture, it's the good news. Everybody in here has got beautiful feet. If you know Christ, because you got something in you, all right? And the second thing is being active. Feet are made beautiful by two things. What they carry and being active. And that's what this verse is telling us uh, in Romans. I want to get to the end of verse 15. Speaking about ESS Christ Fellowship being an apostolic church... An apostolic society is what should be going on here. That you see all three, evangelism, discipleship, and neighboring. You see all of that in Acts 2, 41 through 43. And I'm going to start reading it right here. It says this, So then those who had received his word, okay, were baptized that day and were added about 3,000. Now, real quick, in Romans 10, it says this in verse 17, So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I can hear what Christ is saying when I stick my face in this thing. And when that is preached, guess what happens? Evangelism. People are added. Here it says 3,000. I would love that. You know? Have more people we can shake stick at. I don't know who coined that phrase. Like walking around shaking sticks at things. Man, we got more money we can shake stick at. <laughs> Just weird. It's just weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's where my mind goes. They were continually devoting themselves 
to here we go, the apostles' teachings and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayer. You know what that means? Committing themselves to reading what's going on in here, but also committing themselves to each other. Fellowship. Also committing themselves to being with one another. Breaking of bread. And also speaking back to the Lord together one an with one another. Walking this life together. Not doing it by ourselves. And it says this. Everyone, verse 43, kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Man, bring that. You know what I want to see? People healed in this church of diseases that could kill you tomorrow. And it's happened before. You've seen through some of these testimonies, we had Ashley Hood get up here and she was healed from MS. Not, I felt bad one day, I felt good the next. No, here's an x-ray of MS and here's one where it's gone. Is anybody in this room, amen to that? I mean, that's, that's Jesus, come on now. That's what that was got to get us going. All right. Yeah. I... There's jokes that go on in my head after I say things, and I just, I got to refrain. I'm sorry. So that's the pause right there. I wanted to say something, but the Lord's like, look, boy, you ain't going to say that. Yeah. In verse 44, and all those who had believed, there we go, were together and uh, had all things in common. That's like-mindedness, ladies and gentlemen. That means that when I believe that I'm the only one going through what I'm going through, now when we spend time together, you'll realize that there's a lot of other people going through the same stuff. And can we just come alongside each other? Verse 45. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Now, I'm not going to tell you to go sell your house, all right? But sharing with everyone as if they might have need. This is, these are Christians taking care of Christians. Followers of Christ taking care of one another. Where else are we going to go to get taken care of? American society says, hey, look, within your household, it's on you. It's your job. Okay, yes. But what the Lord blesses you with, is that just for you? Scripture doesn't say that. He says, it's better to give than to receive. Are you with me this morning? Uh, verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, being with each other because we genuinely want to. <laughs> Not because we're forcing ourselves to do so. And in that situation, that's not fun. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day, those who were being saved. Within those scriptures, you see evangelism, you see discipleship, walking life with one another, and you see getting outside of your house, neighboring, being a good neighbor. Are you with me on those? Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop real quick. If you were to read 18, it would not say before that um, until you're ready and you feel good and you have all of the tools necessary, what I want you to do is go therefore. It simply just says, look, this is a call. This is a command. It's not something that I'm asking you to feel good about. I'm asking you to jump in to faith and let faith work first before you try to understand this stuff. Keep using that phrase. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's on me. That's on everybody. 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That means this. Jesus is the benchmark. And he's an unyielding benchmark. He's not asking us to make Alexites or Clayites or Sarahites. He's saying, I need Jesusites. Point your shoulders back towards him. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You ain't got to do this by yourself. I'm going to be with you the whole time. The whole time. You mean the whole time? Yes, the whole time. <laughs> you catching me this morning? Yes. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through uh, 16 through 21, but it's quoting the Old Testament, basically saying, Israel, here's the last one, the last fill in the blank, Israel said no. The Lord is stretching his hand out, saying, come on. And they said no. What is my life saying? Is it saying yes? Is it saying, Lord, I receive, I will just take all of it? Or is it saying, I'm good. If I just do these things and I can feel good about myself throughout the week, I'll be okay. But is my life saying yes to being a follower? Is my life saying yes to being the exact representation, putting Jesus on in every situation and letting that come out of my mouth all the time? Am I saying yes to that? Am I saying yes to being concerned about the people across the street? That when they get home, they zoom into their garage and shut their garage and you don't see them until they pull out. And <laughs> he's, more, he's as concerned about them as he is about us. Amen? Amen? So, the unyielding benchmark, ladies and gentlemen, is Jesus and what he's asked us to do. But not only should we have beautiful feet, we should have beautiful obedience to that. I can't keep you accountable to it. You can stand up here or look at me standing up here and be mad at me for saying what I'm saying. <laughs> cool. Send me an email. Get plenty of them. All right? But you have to, we have to stand before Christ, each and every one of us, and say... Am I, am I doing what he's asking me to do? And letting that be the standard, the radical minimum standard. Not, ah, oh, I can't afford it, oh, this is uncomfortable, I don't really, no. What did he say? Let's do that. Amen? Amen. So let's get ready for our offering and ready for uh, communion and uh, get our worship team back up here. I'm sorry I'm keeping you just a little bit longer. Um, but, but here's what I, I believe the Lord has asked me to challenge you with this morning. Not only those, those things, uh, putting those things in front of you and saying, hey, this is, this is what Christ is asking us to do. Um, but I believe that the Lord, he gave this to me last night, that today is a day for crossing over. Today is a day for leaving something on the other side and crossing over to the promised land. Today is the day of crossing over a stumbling block or a situation in your life that you seem to find yourself back there all the time. A way of thinking that just needs to, we need to cross over this morning into beautiful obedience. It's a scary thing because sometimes that means you lose control. And that's not fun, right? I want to control. But again, if it means jumping into his abounding riches, I'm all for that. Does anybody want that this morning? His abounding 
riches to cross over into that today. Uh, I'm going to be praying about that. I don't know what type of administration the Lord wants to bring with that. It might be coming to the altar. It might be just during this communion, Him getting at your heart in that area. But I do know He's calling us to get over something, to cross over into something greater than where we're at right now. Amen? So let's take up our offering real quick. You can go ahead and play there, Jared. This man has committed his life to you that all of heaven is rejoicing. <laughs> and Father, there's things that you're doing in our lives right now where you're asking us to cross over. You're asking us to leave something behind and get over the hump, not on our own, but Lord, because you're saying, my hand is stretched out to you. Lord, we want to take your hand this morning. And so with what we have in our hands right now, this communion, Lord, we know that your word speaks to us about what this stuff represents. This is your blood. And this is your flesh. But Father, what's, what's in our hand that is, rep, is a representation of, of your flesh, that, that bread, that little wafer that we have, Father. You speak to your disciples in the upper room. You picked up some bread. You broke it. You passed it around. And you said, this is what I'm going to sacrifice for you. That I know everything, the good and the bad, and I'm still going to choose all of mankind. I'm still going to choose you. I'm still going to choose Alex. So, Father, as we eat that right now, Lord, we do that in remembrance of you because that's what you asked us to do. And, Lord, the cup, the cup is a representation of the blood spilled, Father, to bring us close to you, to bring us to a place, Lord, where we understand we don't have to do this on our own, but, Father, you have wiped away the record book of sin. And our, your victory is ours. Father, your victory is ours because of that blood. So, Father, we drink that right now. We do that in remembrance of you because you, you picked up the glass. You passed it around to your disciples saying, this is what I'm spilling this for, all of mankind. So, Father, we, we praise your name for what you're doing in this moment. And we pray that as we walk from this place, that, Father, we're a changed people that the crossing over is something that you're going to speak to us in. And it's going to be real. It's not going to be fake. It's going to be lasting. We don't have to worry about being separated from you because when you died on the cross, that veil, it tore. So that we could have communion with you, Father. We could be in relationship with you. So, Father, we love you for that. We thank you. Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So thank you so much for coming this morning. Because I need to get you guys out of here, I'm just going to give you the benediction right now. I usually don't take you this long, all right? But some things a brother just had to say. Go from here covered. Amen? Amen. So at least say hello to somebody before you leave, but you guys are free to go.